Blog Talk Radio. Smoky Mountain Trader, Benny Hardy here outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Terry T.B. Brown will be along shortly, too. We got a huge show, so much stuff to talk about. I mean, we've been rolling through football week in and week out, and now basketball is here. It, to me, it seemed like it took a long time to get here. As far as games that actually count, November the 5th, Champions Classic, Madison Square Garden, and now it's already gone. It's already in the rearview mirror. Kentucky takes down Michigan State in the world's most famous sports arena, Madison Square Garden. Uh, Tyrese Maxey let everybody know who he was, took advantage of the stage, kind of like John Wall did a decade ago. 26 big points. Huge shots, huge rebounds down the stretch for his size, like 6'3", clutch defensive boards. So he made his presence felt in a huge way uh, as Kentucky was able to pretty much lead from start to finish in taking down Sparty. 69-62, they'll be the new number one when the poll comes out on Monday. Terry T.B. Brown is alongside from the largest city in our home state of Kentucky. How are you post-Champions Classic, Terry? Post-Champions Classic, it was a late night, but if you have to stay up till midnight to watch it, you, you want to see a game uh, like that where, just like you said, the Cats were in control from start to finish, got out to the 10-point halftime lead, responded very well to, to Michigan State's run, uh, even though Michigan State got it within two uh, with a few minutes left and, and were able to, thanks to Maxie, thanks to Hagens, thanks to a whole bunch of guys, uh, able to hold off for a really big win. Uh, now, the, the danger is reading too much into it. There's still a lot of games between now and, and April. Uh, but this is a better start than last year. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, there are some positives you can take away, some things that need to be worked on. But if you're a Kentucky fan, you have to feel good about the start of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, uh, the late night, it was worth the wait. <clears throat> Had to sit through Kansas and Duke. Um, but, you know, Maxi quickly, the three guards, you know, line up, looked good. There was, a lot of success to be had there. Um, like you said, it is one game. And had they lost, we, as you mentioned, we know what happened last year 
after getting blown out. He still went on to have a really good season. Uh, the same thing would have been in effect had they lost close or, or even kind of gotten spanked last night. But it's good to see them, uh, you know, the number one team in the country, number one versus number two. Hasn't happened much in UK's history. And Coach Cal becomes the first Kentucky coach to beat three AP number one ranked teams. So that's another feather in his cap on his resume uh, and list of accomplishments and things that he's done since coming to Lexington. And just overall, uh, Cal has won six out of ten matchups against the AP number one. That's the second most uh, victories. Uh, I believe it's Roy Williams has eight. But but Cal's got the best record. He's six and four, 60%. By far the best record in these matchups. So at some point, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll kind of say that he knows what he's doing. At some point. I don't know when that will be. But at some point, we'll we'll say, "Hey, this guy can actually coach basketball." You would you would think I saw uh, Wildcat Corey, who is there up there in Louisville, where you are. Uh, everybody knows him on social media and, and calling him various radio shows. Uh, he tweeted out was it Monday morning, uh, Michigan State's going to beat Kentucky. Tuesday morning, Michigan State's overrated. And that's kind of <laughs> the narrative or the perception or the way things are presented. You know, well, then the Michigan State must not have been that good. So <laughs> it changes that quickly, and a lot of people do think that way. Yeah, it, and I saw a lot of that, uh, particularly, you know, Louisville fans, uh, you know, Michigan State's obviously overrated. Well, you know, we number one, we don't know. Uh I was trying to explain preseason rankings to, to Big Miss and Little Miss this weekend, and I said basically the preseason rankings are a lot of guesswork. You know, it's what it's what uh, folks think may happen. Uh, so we really don't know what kind of teams we have until you know December, January, to be honest with you, when you've actually played some some other teams. So uh, whether or not Michigan State was overrated or underrated uh, remains to be seen. Uh, but the the thing is, Michigan State is good, and Michigan State's going to be there like Tom Izzo is frequently at the end uh, of the tournament. So uh, it's just amazing when you when you beat somebody, all of a sudden they're not very good and, and whatnot. Uh, that's just, I guess that's human nature. But uh, overrated, underrated. It was a very good win. It was a veteran Michigan State team coming off a Final Four appearance. Uh, in, in Kentucky, with their youth, um, were able to withstand that. Especially, like I said, Maxie, who who was ready for the the bright light. Uh, you know, some folks talking about you know the best kind of debut ever, and we can talk about that. But if we're going to talk about debuts in the Champions Classic, we got to we got to mention Julius Randle's 27 points and 14 rebounds a few years ago. Let Let's not. <laughs> be prisoners of the moment and, and just say that, you know, Max, it was fantastic and I'm not taking anything away from it. But we have seen this before as Kentucky fans. We've seen uh, John Wall in the Champions Classic. We saw Anthony Davis in the Champions Classic. We have seen guys have these coming out parties uh, to, to really say, okay, yeah, I'm at Kentucky and I'm, these, these bright lights don't phase me. Usually bodes really, really well. So uh, I know we got a lot to cover, but uh, definitely want to kick off with that with the game last night. 
Absolutely. And we'll even have to backtrack to, you know, last week, stuff that happens right after we're on because uh, we'll have to talk about the team of your youth becoming world champions. I'll we'll have to get to that. Uh, still can't tell TV nothing because, you know, the 49ers are still doing great. And we actually have a big-time, interesting Monday night football game coming up. Uh, not Steelers and Dolphins and some of the mess that we had on some previous Mondays. So we'll have to talk about all of that. Uh, the Kentucky women got out to a nice, impressive victory uh, in their season opener yesterday. Uh, we have football with Tennessee coming to town Saturday. Lynn Bowden going up against the Vols at Kroger Field Saturday night at 7.30 at C Network. So, so many different ways to go. But um, speaking of that late night, we might as well stay on that because last week I prematurely was asking you what you would be doing or were you at liberty to talk about what you would be doing on a lot of these games once UK's games concluded. And now you are at liberty to tell everybody what you have done and will continue to be doing. Yeah, I was able to debut last night. I called in uh, last night, but uh, starting Friday with the Eastern Kentucky game, I'll be in studio um, doing the U.K. post-game show uh, with our man James Striebel, who we've had on uh, our show. Uh, was that over the summer? I can't remember, but we've had him on a couple of times, I believe. Uh, but times, uh, yeah. Uh, has done that. Jason Entz, uh, they reached out to me and uh, a couple of weeks ago asked me if I was interested in doing that. So it's ESPN 680 in Louisville. You can get it online. It is a post-game show, so there's no kind of set time. But we went uh, a good 45 minutes, 50 minutes or so after the game, kind of a truncated show uh, because of the late hour. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a if, if you're going to kick off. Uh, your post-game show career, that's the game you want to talk about. <laughs> so so that was fun. So I'll be doing that uh, for the majority of the uh, of the games, uh, doing the doing the post-game show. So I'm very excited about that. Um, still have the ability to do our show. You know, we've been doing this for, is it, is it five years, Vinny? Five years? Six years? Yeah, I, can't, I, I lose it. But you know we've been five year anniversary popped up on Twitter, uh, or the Twitter account. It's been open five years, so yeah. Yeah. So whatever I do, I want to make sure I still have the ability to do this on those weird games. I think there's a couple of Wednesday night games. I'll have to figure that out. But yeah, I'm very excited about that. It's it's on the radio. Uh, you know, ESPN 680 is a uh, is a. Uh, it's a big time, you know, they cover the games and, and uh, you know, they've got Cal's post-game uh, comments and everything like that. So I'm excited about jumping in there or on there, I should say, and, and, and doing what I can to help those guys out. So another avenue to listen to me rant and rave about the Wildcats. So there you go. Well, congratulations. You had text me, letting me know um, a few days or so before you were at Liberty to talk about it, so I was definitely excited. Um, I listened to James and Jason from time to time, you know, depending on what's going on or what you got to do after the game is over. You know, sometimes you, you know, got family and kids, you got to go to bed, you got to, you know, not able to just soak up 
post-game shows every single time, but uh, after having James on, I would listen to him sometimes on the post-games. And, uh, of course, they have, you know, Kyle's post-game pressure that we get to cover when we cover games and we're sitting there uh, listening to him break down what just happened and take questions. So they put that in there. I'll be honest, I did tune in uh, to the beginning. I caught the part where you called in last night, uh, and then when they, you know, stepped aside and put you on hold to get to Cal, uh, I tapped out after that. So I wasn't able to pick you all back up after Cal was done. I was I was already looking at my eyelids. So uh, on a non-930 start, I'd probably be able to tune in and catch all y'all, but uh, I started with you, but I couldn't finish with y'all last night. Well, and, and the the great thing is, and, and you know, we've been doing this as we said for a while, and we've met lots of people, and it's been a, a fantastic, fantastic journey for the both of us. Uh, but Aaron Huff was was my first call. He called in last night. He waited patiently uh, <laughs> through Cal's part of the press conference, and you know that 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 meant a lot. You know, he's he sponsored our show. Yeah. He called in quite a quite a bit, and he's been a big time supporter of us and what we've been able to do. So. Uh, that meant a lot. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully Friday night's not quite as late, <laughs> so we're able to go a little bit more and it's not quite as rushed. But uh, it's just a huge opportunity. Uh, I had to explain to uh, Little Miss especially, I said it's ESPN 680, but it's not really ESPN. Like I'm, I'm not going to be on SportsCenter. I haven't made that jump just yet. <laughs> and uh, she looked at me and she said, well, not yet, Dad, not yet. So, you know, you got to have some faith uh-huh. in your, uh, when it comes to this kind of thing. But, you know, let, to allow me to get on my, my soapbox for here for just a moment. You know, we, we talk about social media and, and Facebook and Twitter and, and how evil those things are. Uh, but they're basically just tools, right? Just like a hammer or a, a lawnmower, they're just tools. It's all about how you use them. And, and here I sit able to do a lot of things because of Twitter. You and I, our paths crossed on Twitter, you know, six, seven years ago, and, and we've been doing this show ever since. I mean, we were doing the show for a good almost a year and a half before we actually met face-to-face. Uh, you know, we, we've done so many things with Cameron Mills Radio. Uh, you know, social media, it's all about how you use it. And if you use it, uh, you know, I won't say the right way, there's there's some good things that can come out of that. So, uh, I'm very excited. I'm very humbled. Uh, you know, people read what 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 I write and they listen to our show, and and uh, you know, it, it it means a lot to kind of do this as, as a hobby and kind of watch it grow. So I'm I'm very excited about that. Yeah, for sure. It's a cool opportunity, and everybody was proud and, and happy to see uh, you get to be on there, and looking forward to hear more from you after each game. So, yeah, definitely exciting stuff. I was excited for you. Everybody was. Um, Huff hung in there longer than I did. That was awful cool that he called in and was the first one to holler at you. So, uh, that's, that is great. It really is. So, congratulations again. Uh, in addition to all the congratulations you got on that quote-unquote evil social media. Yeah, and, and I was such a dork. I was like, you know, probably – because uh, I reached out to, to Jason uh, this week, and he said, well, you can call in. We can introduce you this week or, you know, Tuesday for the game, and then, you know, you come into the studio on Friday. 
So I knew I was going to have to call in, so I, I had to take some notes <laughs> during the game so I knew exactly what I was uh, going to say, yeah, very similar to what we do here. Uh, but it was, it was you know, I, was, it, I don't want to get on there sounding stupid. So, uh, you know, I was, I was nerding <laughs> it up, you know, you know, keep uh, things happen that I thought were key plays and different things like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Just another another fun thing to do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I've been meaning to mention this the past few shows. Uh, I'm a friend of everybody and, and big-time media guy, Kyle Tucker, and which you got him on our show a couple of years ago. And he's now moved on from the career journal to the athletic. But, you know, if those who haven't subscribed, he is, I mean, he's always doing great stuff. You and I have seen him in action. When we get to cover games, we've seen him, you know, we see how his magic is made. Because we see him covering the games, we see him during the game, we see him post game. Uh, but he is crushing it at the athletic. Um, his story today was about the text that Tyrese Maxey got from his dad because his dad has fallen ill, and he was not at the game last night, the first game he's ever missed. He was back home in Texas, not able to be in Madison Square Garden uh, in what would have been just a moment of sheer joy for the entire family. His, and his mother was in tears because Tyrese played so well, but also sad because her husband was not there as he customarily is. But they asked Tyrese the text he got, and it was LND from his dad before the game. Leave no doubt. And so, I mean, you know, put yourself in Tyrese's shoes. You know, your dad's not going to be at your first college game because you get that text from him, and then you go out and play that type of a game on the Madison Square Garden stage. Um, just a great story. And he's every story he does is great. And so I'm just kind of giving props for all those. But that one today, was it put even a little bit more perspective on what Maxie did when you know the backstory with his father being very ill right now. Yeah, and, and Kyle Tucker is great. I want to sing his praises. Uh, when I first was able to start covering games, as you know, it's a little daunting, right, to, to be at Rupp Arena for a game because it is, uh, you know, you got your Jerry Tiptons and your Mark Stories and your John Clays and you've got Oscar Combs, and there's just all these luminaries of folks that you see on TV that you've been reading in the newspaper since you were a kid. It's a little intimidating. And the first game I got to cover, Kyle Tucker, who then was at the Courier-Journal, uh, was the first one to kind of pull me aside and say, okay, you know, here's how things work. Showed me where to get the good cookies and, and things of that nature. So he's been great when he didn't have to be. And what he's done at The Athletic is really the, the letters from home uh, with the Kentucky players yeah. and their families are fantastic. He really humanizes mm-hmm. these kids, which, you know, you know, I got on my soapbox a little bit, and you see people kind of tweet this out on social media, as we're talking about. But this this thing is, you know, I don't know these kids. You know, I don't, you know, these one and done, these guys, I don't know this new team every year. 
which I find strange because Ashton Hagens was the co-defensive player of the year for the SEC last year, was on all SEC uh, defensive team. So you, you might you might know him. Uh, he set a school record, sorry, tied a school record with eight steals against North Carolina last season. But, you know, maybe you don't know him. Well, you know, for a, a reasonable price, and I subscribe to The Athletic, you can get these, these long-form pieces on these players, and you can understand. You know, it helped you last year to understand where's Tyler Hero coming from, you know, a kid from Wisconsin who, you know, we need to talk about this blowing up in the NBA right now, him and P.J., uh, I think you'd have to put on your all-rookie teams, you know, the first couple weeks of the season. But there's so much out there that you can get where you can know these kids. You can know their stories. You can understand why Tyrese Maxey was in that position last night. Uh, it, it, there's just so much out there. And Kyle uh, Tucker's really leading that charge on on bridging that gap to really condensing. You know, we're used to knowing guys over a three- or four-year period but you can still know these guys even if it is one or two two years. So uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a president of his fan club, but I, I'm certainly in there for the work he's putting in, helping bridge that gap between players and fans. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've been kicking myself because, you know, we, we got two hours, and then there's still stuff we never get to talk about. And then I'm like, man, we didn't get – and so that's why, you know, if it's something really good, we do backtrack and, and talk about, you know, what we didn't get to talk to. Let's talk about the one about um, Kenny Payne also, you know, was a, a, a fixture on the staff. You know, maybe he should have his own uh, program to run. You know, Kentucky paid him very, very well to where Kenny can really be selective as to which coaching job he really wants to commit to, but all the former players, and we've heard this for years, you know, uh, KP can crack that whip when he needs to, but he's also the dude that guys can go in his office and they can relate to and talk about life and talk about everything. He's that guy that you can come to. And to see, like, you know, Carl Towns running, walking through an area, not really trying to talk to anybody, and Kyle Tucker I just wanted to ask you about KP, and, and Carl stops, takes his sunglasses off, and says, I can always make time when we're talking about KP. The story about him just putting them through the ringer on that treadmill, the constant work, the fact that he's available 2 or 3 o'clock, anytime they go in and put guys in the gym and do some work, the results, you, you see – P.J. Now, you just mentioned it, um, how <laughs> him and Willie Colley-Stein was butting heads. And, you know, you think, you know, just dunk the ball a few times. And then, you know, you're seven foot. You know, it's nothing to just dunk. But then you just keep having to do it over and over and over. And Willie was like, oh, he was trying to break me. I have to go throw up and then I have to come back because I'm not going to tap out on this workout. The respect every one of those guys has for him and we know, you know, oh, yeah, Kenny Payne is valuable. He is, he is so valuable. Vince Merrill, same thing. Oh, the recruits he gets from Ohio, the, the, the this, the that, all the stuff they do. But then you still, when you read that, it, it even is more impactful to you to what they really do and what they really, really mean 
not only to Cal, but to the players that they're developing in the process. Yeah, you know, and I know Kenny Payne from his playing days. Uh, last year during the – when the, the team went on the train ride around uh, uh, Kentucky, uh, I was able to kind of talk to him a little bit about it and how we both went from Louisville, because he was on the 1986 championship team, to now he's helping Kentucky win championships and, you know, how we kind of both made that switch. And it just goes to show uh, – Yes, you need a great head coach, but you need a, a heck of a support staff to to really, uh, whether it's recruiting or developing players, the best coaches have the best assistants. And and and, and you can see that, uh, like you said, with Vince Merrill for football and for uh, Kenny Payne with basketball, those are the two uh, assistants that are really, really killing things right now. And uh, I hope – uh, you know he doesn't leave, but he's got he's got a situation where he doesn't have to go and take any job. Uh, you know you see guys they get that first job and it's it's a bad situation from the from the get go. He can be a lot more selective about where he about where he ends up, and I think that's a very good thing for him. It's even a good position to be in. Yeah, and one last thing too, but like you said, we can be presidents of, of KP's fan club, Kyle Tucker's, all of them. But the fact that kind of when he finished at Louisville, he thought he knew what it took. He thought he knew what it took to be a pro. And he talked about that him and Purvis Ellison both. We all knew that never, never was Purvis when we were young, and you especially even more than me because you were, grew up rooting for him. Then they both, crossed paths with a young Hakeem Olajuwon, and then they were like, oh, that's what it takes. That's the detail. That's the work. That's what you got to do to make it and get the results that you want. So they were even impacted by a young dream as they were transitioning to their pro careers. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, there's so many avenues to get so much information on uh, the athletes that compete for the blue and white. There's there's no real reason to have a disconnect unless you just want to sit uh, and complain. That's it. That's it. And if you're sitting and listening, y'all can call us, 845-277-9373. No guests tonight, so we are wide open. The TV and I are rolling till 8 o'clock. So feel free to call in. Uh, you listen a lot. And haven't called, call. If you've called before, feel free to call again. Have a couple guests lined up next week um, in the works to have a couple in the first hour next week. Um, Travis Graff is one half of the Cat Scan podcast. He's going to be on right at 6 o'clock. And then, um, let's see, we got from Big Blue Express. Not our guy Randy Newman, but the guy who focuses mainly on football for Big Blue Express, Adam Grigg, is going to be on about 645. So we have a couple of guys on. We have lots of U.K. talk, talking post-Tennessee, what happens against the Vols this coming Saturday. Um, and shifting to football, we found ourselves in a position that we hadn't 
encountered before, but we kind of maybe saw it coming with Coach Stoops continuing to improve his win total year in and year out to either maintain or improve. And he hit nine wins last year. We know he came to Lexington from Florida State where he's a defensive coordinator for Jimbo Fisher, won a national championship with you know, coordinating that defense. Jameis Winston and, and everybody that was down there with Jimbo. And Willie Taggart was coaching at Florida State. And we knew him at Western Kentucky. Uh, he went to Oregon. He went to Florida State because that was you know, a dream job for him. And he did not get a lot of time to build his program. And with him being released of his duties, a lot of speculation started pointing towards Mark Stoops' direction, given his ties to Florida State. So we found ourselves in a position of a, a big-time school having Kentucky's football coach on their radar. It wasn't the first choice, but he was on the list. And we haven't seen that happen in our lifetimes when it comes to Kentucky football. So, of course, he was asked about it in his press conference on Monday. And in my opinion, I thought he handled it pretty well. You know, thanks to Nick Saban and Rick Pitino, you can't really believe coaches, you know, no matter what they say, and there's never really a good time for a coach to try to leave because their job never stops. It's year-round, whether it's the season's going or the season's, you know, in the off season, it doesn't matter. I thought he handled it as well as he could. Um, we'll see. You know, his brother Bob is still denying anything, so, you know, this the opening's still there. Maybe they contacted him, maybe they haven't. But for all we know, currently he's still focusing on the Vols come Saturday. Well, there's a lot to unpack with this Florida State thing. Number one, uh, Willie Taggart. Florida State was a dumpster fire when Jimbo left. Like, Jimbo left, Jimbo Fisher left in complete disarray. Everything... Uh-huh kind of coincided with that championship with Jameis Winston team, but then the wheels fell off and they fell off fast. Uh, my understanding is in, with Florida State, the boosters, and, and, you know, this is one of those things that get talked about all throughout college sports, particularly college football, the boosters have a pretty outsized role in Florida State. Like it's the boosters that are kind of calling the shots and then – the athletic department has to get on board with it. It's, it's a very strange dynamic. And so Jimbo left. Uh, you know, they bring in Taggart. It's, it's hard after a season and a half. You, you can't the, – the window for football, that, that's, it's just too small. It's, it, it's too small. And I, and I know there were some highlights, players going the wrong direction, that kind of thing for Florida State – but it's almost to the point where you have to bottom out and then rebuild. You know, people forget that when Nick Saban got to Alabama, he didn't just start winning championships. You know, I think maybe they lost to like a, a UAB or something like that his first couple of years. I mean, if they yeah. were getting beat in Bryant-Denny Stadium, okay? So you need a little bit of time. Uh, so I think that was a little frustrating uh, to see that. Secondly, uh, 
I think it makes sense for Florida State to have Stoops on the list. Look, anytime someone is a defensive coordinator or coordinator of the program, they go off to to find uh, success somewhere. You, you 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 almost have to bring at least put that person on the list. It's like when people complain about uh, what happened with Joker Phillips and, and kind of how that went down with Rich Brooks. If Joker Phillips goes off to you know Arkansas, let's say, and he's got Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl and X, Y, and Z, you know you have to if you've got someone with ties to the program, you have to at least look at that person. So so here we are and. and uh, Stoops is, is or is not on the list, and as you point out, you can't really – I think he handled it about as good as he can. You don't want to be definitive either way. I get that. But uh, for for my money, uh, Stoops does make sense. You know, I've seen people all look at his overall record. Like, no, you, you, you really can't count those first two or three years. Again, you've got to bottom out to, to build up. And I, I've told people I covered games Jokers last year. And I'm telling you, before the facility upgrade, I mean, the, the ceiling towels had water damage in the meeting room. And, you know, carpet was, was pieced together with duct tape. That's the state of the Kentucky football program at that time. I'm not talking about recruits or anything like that. I'm just talking about the attention that was paid to the football program. Now, you and I have been there since the upgrade first class. It is SEC caliber. The practice facility, the press box, the meeting room, all that is top-notch. And since we really got on board with all that, it's been winning record, winning record, winning record. Right? Uh, I've seen people on, again, we talk about social media a lot, my my advice for Kentucky fans, don't pay attention to people that aren't Kentucky football fans. You know, there's a lot of folks in our fan base, they're, they're Kentucky men's basketball fans, and they're, they're football fans of some other place. Alabama, Ohio State, yeah. State, whatever. Now, look, I have a lot of jerseys. I have a lot of hats. But when it comes down to it, I bleed blue. Look, I, I, I go to – soccer games. I go to volleyball. I go to gymnastics, right? I go to women's basketball. I go to softball. I go to baseball. Little Miss wants to go check out the track and field team this spring. We're going to do that, too. Whatever the cats are in, I go to support it. I bleed blue across the board. So don't don't fall for the okey-doke, someone who's a diehard Kentucky basketball fan, but is an Alabama football fan to tell you what, what you know, Mark Stoops is or is not as a coach. Uh, I have said this. Mark Stoops has a five-game winning streak against Missouri. Had had a five-game winning streak against South Carolina. Uh, I don't know what it is. I forget what it is against uh, uh, Vanderbilt, but we won mo- a lot of those games. But my point being, relative to other Kentucky coaches, Stoops has put together a pretty good resume, right? Uh, and this notion, what has Stoops done? Uh, in case you haven't noticed, Josh Allen's doing pretty good in the in the uh, NFL, and, and uh, you know, and a lot of the other guys are contributing. Lonnie 
Uh, Lonnie Johnson is contributing uh, there in Houston. Uh, to do that at Kentucky is pretty remarkable. You know, we could talk about, you know, it took a lot of things to go right to get to 10 wins, but they had to put in a lot of work. So it's like when Coach Cal was at Memphis, and he did some great things at Memphis, and, and Memphis was a great spot. If, if Stoops is able to bring that work ethic and that game plan to a Florida State with those resources, you really like your chances. Thought about that, and I've been all over the place. I apologize. You know, when we had Dwayne Peavy on, uh, the UK assistant AD, the first time, and he was talking about when Cal came to Kentucky and realized there was a lot of stuff he didn't have to do. You know, Cal, you don't have to go out and, you know, pound the pavement to get people to come to the games. You know, you don't have to do these mailings. We got people for that. It frees them up, frees Cal up to just focus on basketball, right? So, uh, I don't know if Stoops is going to leave or not. I think he should absolutely be on that short list because of his resume here at Kentucky. Uh, but I hope he stays because if he goes, I, I don't know what the next step would be. But I don't think we're going to find someone yeah. to work well as Stoops. That's it. And, you know, just like I said, not sure, you know, if he's on the list, if he's not, or has he been contacted, is he not? But we do know that he, he's tight, still tight, with Jimbo Fisher. Uh, you know, they've only played once. That was last year down at Texas A&M. But they're still good buddies. You know, they were on the staff together, won a championship together. No doubt at some point you'd be surprised if they hadn't talked about whatever happened at Florida State. You know, Coach Deuce was there during the good times, but no doubt that he's probably privy to what happened when things went south for Jimbo Fisher, and that might weigh into him maybe, do I want to go back and deal with that? Or And, of course, we know coaches, they think they can conquer anything. He might That might not matter how it went down with Jimbo. On the flip side, you mentioned the facilities how much better everything is at Kentucky from the, the, the training center, um, the practice facilities, the meeting rooms, that's all top-notch now. Well, that all happened once Mark Stoops got here. He, he was able to get that done. Uh, now, we also know Rich Brooks was wanting that done, and it, it didn't get <laughs> – done to that extent while he was there, but he he was hoping for it. Mark Stoops was able to come and get all of that done, uh, and like you said, the winning record, the improvement that has taken place, the proximity to Ohio, the recruiting, the way they've got things set up now, do you want to leave now to go start over when you just started really seeing the fruits of your labor here, starting 2-10 and 10 and getting to nine and three over a span of six years. If all coaches love a challenge, that might not matter either. He might be like, well, I can go and do the same thing I just did. Or now that you got roots, you got young children here, you know, in school here, do you want to uproot them? Do you want to continue to build on what you have done a good job of cultivating here at Kentucky? A New Year's Day win over Penn State, winning 10 games. 
who knows? But, you know, there's some things in play that might make him want to stay or be inclined to stay. Uh, the loyalty Mitch Barnhart showed when things were rocky for him, you know, still going five and seven after starting out five and one two years in a row. That might mean something to him. There's so many different factors <laughs> that play. Uh, he's going to do what he's going to do. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot to consider and, you know, um, a lot of good stuff is, you know, you would think he would be fond of in his time here so far. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is kind of what you want. You know, Kentucky football, it is kind of a stepping stone job. You want a guy to be great, but you don't want to be too great because somebody will come and snatch <laughs> him up. So, uh, you know, <laughs> You know, my, my thing is, like, like Stoops has done a, a very good job. And, look, he hasn't been perfect. There's been things this season, previous seasons, you kind of scratch your, scratch your head about. But when you look in, uh, you know, like this year, playing with a fourth-string quarterback, a converted quarterback, and losing, you know, we, we lost Barker. A couple years ago, we have we have really yeah. had to deal with a lot of of things that, uh, as we said, you know, uh, Alabama for the first time under Nick Saban started their backup quarterback because of injury. I mean, that's just all the things that they've had to overcome. I don't see how any Kentucky fan would would be happy to see Stoops go. That's what I you know I don't understand. So again, be careful out there. There are Kentucky basketball fans that are not Kentucky football fans that are going to throw all kinds of things out there. Uh, you know, I saw somebody. Well, look at Stoops's record. I'm like, you got to throw out those first three, those first three years. You know, we've been competitive. Uh, you know, probably should have beaten Florida more than just the one time. You know, concluding this year. Uh, you know, being competitive against Tennessee. I know Tennessee's down, but Tennessee's been down before, and we went 40 years without beating them. And and Louisville, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's 500 the last two splitting games with the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, you know, for all the things we say what Stoops isn't, Stoops was a 30-point underdog on the road in a rival game against the Heisman Trophy winner, and we won that game. So, you know, if you're going to point out, you got to point out everything. If, if you're going to nitpick bad yeah. stuff, you got to got to put the good stuff in there as well. So, uh, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um. For sure. For sure. Let us give some props to Smoky Mountain Trainer. You mentioned that at the beginning, but just give the full love for them for them sponsoring the show and helping us bring the show to you. And they promote our show on all of their social media as well. But they are always there to take care of your needs, graphics, classifieds, ads, whatever you want to do. If you want to list or sell or buy or trade items, they can take care of that as well. And they cover a broad area. The Tennessee area where I'm at, 12 counties. Uh, Lee County in Virginia, Southwest Virginia, that bumps right into Southeast Kentucky. And they also cover Bell County, 423-587-1700. Um, Lynn Earls is from Middlesbrough. They're in Bell County. And he's a publisher, and he would definitely take care of you. 423-587-1700, 5063, Suite 1, West Andrew Johnson Highway, Morristown, Tennessee. 
ZSMTrader.com and just search Smoky Mountain Trader on Facebook and Twitter and follow them there and they would definitely take care of you. So definitely thanks to um, Smoky Mountain Trader. Put a quick poll out on our social media. Y'all can follow us at Cats Talk Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter. Like the Facebook page. Follow Terry T. Brown underscore 80 and me at Vinny Hardy. Um, just a little silly poll in honor of the Browns because everybody saw Baker Mayfield before the game, during the game, and after the game when they lost to Denver. A team they had no business losing to, and the hype is kind of overtaking them right now. And they're not going to be able to live up to the expectations, uh, even though they have gotten a lot better talent and made some upgrades. It just might not pan out for them this year. But Baker shaved about three times on Sunday. So how many times have y'all shaved? Just do the poll on Cat Talk Wednesday. Once, twice, or Baker Mayfield Plus. Uh, feel free to vote in the poll, retweet it, just have a little fun with it. Right now it's 50-50 for once and twice. Nobody that follows us has did the Baker Mayfield Plus. Um, we talked about Lovey Smith the other day with his beard. Now we're talking about Baker Mayfield, his facial hair. Uh, are you a guy that can grow a beard? Did you rock the beard back in the days, or just a mustache, or just a goatee? Because uh, I can't even grow one. You know, I'm talking about my dad looking like Lovey Smith now, and we were joking about that. You know, my hair wants to turn under and get the ingrown hairs, and the hair grows in all different directions. I couldn't do a beard even if I wanted to. But are you a beard guy? Are you capable of being a beard guy if you want to be? It's it, it's a light beard. It's a light little. Uh, uh, I, I call it a Mike Tomlin light. And I'm gonna look that look up. I got a picture uh, of myself. I'm gonna uh, see if I can't put it on the show page. But that, that that's about as good as it gets. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't come in light. But there's that. I I, I can't get the Lovey Smith going myself. Uh, uh, my, yeah. my dad. It was until the very end that he he kind of he let his beard kind of grow out. It was nice and great. He liked it. So uh, we we yeah. just don't grow uh, big thick beards here in the brown house. That's it. And it's, my dad does, and it is it is all gray now. It used to be. Um, I just put out a picture. I think I was replying to Michael Bennett uh, because he put the video clip of Tony Neely, um, SID at Kentucky, and Tony's reflecting on when Kentucky beat Tennessee and the moment, you know, fathers and sons and parents and children, and he has a picture in his office of the field being stormed and a father and son arms around each other still in their seat as the game just ended. And I put out our picture when it was me, my dad, and my sister because we had made a point to go to every single game in Lexington or Knoxville until Kentucky ended the streak. So no matter when or how many years it takes, we're going to be in attendance when Kentucky breaks the streak. Of course, it happened for the first time in 2011. And so there's a picture of us storming the field. 
And you look at that, my dad's beard is a lot thinner there than even when you met him. And he's let it go thicker now than since you saw him last when we were in Louisville uh, eating at Sharks that day. Uh, mine, I got the gray already. If it was a come out, there's plenty of white in there, but it just won't grow in a uniform direction. So uh, I can't grow a beard even if I wanted to. And that's okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is what it is, and it's always going to be what it's going to be. But I, you know, I I always had a lot of trouble with with the hair want to turn under, and that's, you know, the case with us as black men, just being flat out honest about it. Uh, used to use the old stinky magic shave, the depilatory, where you, you know, set it on there, let it set up, and then scrape it off, and it, you know, smelled terrible, looked like cement. That's what I had to use for years, but, you know, we just dove into some shaving, thanks to Baker Mayfield and, and Lovey Smith. Um, but, yeah, that was weird seeing Baker just taking the time to do all that in and around the game. Um, but, hey, it's, it's whatever he wants to do. And yeah, we we got to talk about the, the Browns and the, and the NFL here in a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, definitely, we definitely need to touch base with that. And I got to ask you, too, because this is – look, we talk about backtracking. You know, this happened over the summer, but now that college basketball is here, it's going to be a story throughout the year. You got ties to Memphis. You talk about the 901. You talk about your family down there, Mama B being from down there, your cousins being from down there, how tough everybody is from down there. Penny is beloved because he is Memphis made and born and raised. Penny said that Memphis was going to win a national title this year. He pulled a Joe Namath and called his shot. So you – being very familiar with that area, uh, a Kentucky fan, but you got ties to Memphis. Your thoughts, and I'm, I'm sure everybody in Memphis is eating that up. But your thoughts on Penny saying it, and the whole area, how it was probably received out there. Oh, oh, TV call drop. We'll get him back. Uh, to get those thoughts because he knows the Memphis area well. He's familiar with it. See what he thinks about Penny calling his shot in his second year as the head coach of the Memphis Tigers. Uh, Mama B's alma mater. We'll definitely see uh, what TB has to say about that. Um, it kind of made me raise my eyebrows and be like, really? And, you know, if you want to be confident that way, that's fine. He's already kind of getting into it with Rick Barnes and the Memphis and Tennessee is, is going to be uh, a rivalry or a lot of talking from Penny anyway. Uh, they come to Knoxville to play Tennessee, so no doubt a lot of people will be uh, paying attention to that. But then he just said, you know, bring the pressure on me and my program by calling his shot and saying that the Tigers are going to win the title. So your thoughts before uh, we lost the TV, you being familiar with Memphis, Mama B being an alum of Memphis, Memphis is having that tough chip on their shoulder. Your thoughts on Penny just calling his shot, 
saying they were going to win a title. He's got James Wiseman. He looked good last night. But your thoughts on Penny just saying, we're going to win this. this, this we're going to win this championship. Now, for clarification, um, uh, Mama B went to Memphis State way back then, so it was Memphis State then. <laughs> but uh, it's been it, this is it, this is a pretty good time period for Memphis athletics. They held uh, their first game day for college football last weekend. SMU came to town. Game day was on Beale Street. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler from Memphis Wrestling was the guest picker. Uh, in Memphis, they put on a show and won that game. It was a very exciting game. So uh, uh, you got that, and then you turn around, you flip it around, and uh, as you said, Wiseman had his debut last night. Penny has him rocking in the FedEx Forum. So uh, this could be a pretty good run for Penny. Uh, for, well, for Memphis uh, athletics in general. Uh, to to be on the map. Uh, But the thing is, as you said, Penny is beloved in Memphis. Like, I mean, he's he's the the hometown boy that made good, that that came back. And we don't really see that a whole lot. Uh, We have that with Daryl Griffith here in Louisville, hometown high school hero, stayed – Stayed for the college program, got Louisville first NCAA title in 1980. Has come back and uh, is doing things in the community. Uh, that that's where Penny is. So, as far as putting the the pressure on, the, the pressure's already on. You know whether he says anything or not, Penny. You know the 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 pressure is on simply for the fact that he's Penny. He's bringing in these top recruits. So you may as well have fun with it, right? You may as well, you know, put it out there like, hey, we'll, we'll win a national title. I, I have zero problem with it, and I would wager that uh, most of your uh, – most, most of the Memphis fans don't have a problem with it either. So did it even surprise you or just like, eh, okay, when you first – Saw the quote because I was like, "Oh, whoa!" Well, how did you? Relate? No, I mean, you, you know, like, it, 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 here's the thing that I think he's picked up that Penny has picked up from Cal. A lot of what he says isn't for national folks. A lot of mm-hmm. what he says is for his fan base. <laughs> and the same way Cal says, you know, we're not the, you know, we don't move the needle. We are the needle. You know, Penny, Penny. The, the Memphis fans, uh, uh, they, they, they eat that up. Like I told you, they there's a different kind of swag down there <laughs> in Memphis. And uh, when I saw that, I said, you know, that makes sense. That that absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like, like I just we can talk about stuff and we don't get to from one show to the other. And I, like, I meant to ask you that a few weeks ago. I was like, man, I can't see what TV thinks about that because – you know, just seeing them tell, uh, I think it was Dana O'Neill, that, you know, we're going to win the title this year. And, you know, he, he's got a loaded team. And you get the fact that he's in his second year as a head coach, period, you know, that, like you said, just go ahead and put it out there. And that's what he did, and we'll, we'll see. So uh, it's definitely going to be fun to watch them uh, and see what he does 
With all that talent, you know, a lot of Kentucky fans still upset that Wiseman didn't come there, but, you know, we, we just talked about people having ties and connections, and, and they got ties and connections going back to Memphis and AAU days, and so that's why Wiseman is there. Um, just like Stoops has ties to Florida State, if he chose to go there, or if they chose to work out a deal, we'll see. So, um, And a lot of people looking to see if this continues or after Wiseman and years going forward, will he still be able to recruit Memphis that way when it's coming up with, you know, young fellas that he was the AAU coach, uh, and they weren't born when he was doing his thing with the Magic. Uh, that'll be something to watch as well uh, to see if he can still get that Memphis area locked down uh, to keep everybody playing for the home school. Yeah, so like I said, it, this is this is a, a great time with their football team being uh, – they're in the top 25. I forget the exact number. Uh, you know, the college football, the playoff rankings came out, and Memphis was right there, top 25 there. And, and, and basketball, uh, were they 13 or 14, something like that uh, as well. So, yeah, you know, Memphis athletics is, is on the map. And, and, and don't – you know, here's the thing. You know, we we think of you know big time schools, uh, and we have our Power Five conferences and everything. Memphis is a big city, okay. Memphis is a big uh, community. So if if Penny and the football program give the Tiger uh, family something to to really get behind, this, this isn't like. A school out in the middle of nowhere. Memphis is a pretty big place, <laughs> you know. It's well, you know, a top ten city in the U.S. So it's not like it's just in this godforsaken area. Like, why would anybody go to Memphis? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, can I be honest for a second? If I were to compare cities, Memphis to Lexington to to be in, oh, I'm Memphis ten times out of ten, and I like Lexington, but Memphis is Memphis. <laughs> I mean, can, you know, there, there's no comparison. What about Memphis and Louisville? Oh, you know Memphis, Memphis and Louisville. They, you know, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'd probably lean toward Louisville, but but Memphis is, is is like a second home. So that's what I try to Ooh. caution Kentucky fans about. Like, why would a hometown kid stay in hometown? Uh, that makes sense. You know, it would be like a Lexington kid. Uh, playing at you know what you know Tate's Creek is that one you know Tate's Creek, uh, and 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 deciding to go to to UK. I mean that's the worst Wiseman. That should not have caught people off guard. People shouldn't have been bent out of shape about it. Uh, that kind of is what it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Memphis is a great great place. Yeah, you know, like I guess that would be. Bo Allen was what you were talking about recruiting. I think he's a commitment for next year quarterback from Lafayette or something right there in Lakington, but he's coming to Kentucky. So, yeah. Um, and I think his daddy would play for Kentucky as well. So, you know, you've got strong connections like that. It's easy to see why, you know, kids lean that way. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and again, look, I, I understand that Memphis's history is not quite Kentucky's history. I, I get that, but Kentucky fans, we 
we got to step out of that bubble a little bit. Like I saw that Cade Cunningham signed with Oklahoma State, I think. Uh, it's yeah. not a personal slap if a top kid does not choose here, does not choose Kentucky. There are so many reasons that that can go into choosing your college choice that you can't take it personal. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think, was it Cade Cunningham's brother or something has ties to Oklahoma? I, I really don't know all the details, but I saw people, yeah. you know, would you do that for family? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, the, there was a recruit we lost to Duke because his mom wanted him to go to Duke versus Kentucky. Are you going to do that? Yes, yes. I, you know, in my mind, if, if I don't have any ties to Kentucky, Duke and Kentucky being equally being equal, uh, and, and Mama says, I prefer here, yes, you're going to listen to Mama. You know, I saw people jumping all that mama's boy. Look, man, you're gonna do what makes mama happy. That's 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 period bar none. Right? I mean, that's I'm gonna make fun of somebody for some stuff, but doing what what makes their mother happy isn't one of them. You know, so yeah. And for for sure, definitely. Uh, I think it was Marcus Bolden that got a lot of grief for uh, taking Duke back a few years ago. To keep the recruiting train rolling, and flipping it to Coach Mitchell on the women's side, though, um, you mentioned Kay Cunningham. I think, I think his brother's in Oklahoma State as an assistant. But another unique name is coming. You know, Kavashi Smoke is here right now. Um, Treasure Hunt just committed to the UK women uh, from Chattanooga. She was Tight with Ryan Howard, who was excellent, and if there was one and done, she would already be gone. Um, but Treasure Hunt and Ryan Howard were from down here in Tennessee together, and Treasure Hunt is a very good player. Just committed to Coach Mitchell and the Cats a couple of days ago, uh, but a very unique name, no doubt. She's dealt with that her whole life, uh, <laughs> just like Vontae Smokes has to do the same thing. Um, but losing my train of thought. But um, good to see Coach Mitchell. Like you mentioned, we've always talked about it: the turmoil and, and the struggles, and uh, some dark days and bleak times. And you've gone from now, you know, Michaela Epps to to Macy Morris, and now you have Ryan Howard, and now you have Treasure Hunt. And you've seen him kind of turn things around and stabilize it. Um, ranked in top 15 to start the season, I think number 13. Uh, so back in position to break through and get to that ever that first ever Final Four. Uh, and the recruiting is back on track too after a little rough patch. But good to see news like this. And Treasure Hunt, I mean, that's just a heck of a name. Uh, makes you want to meet her parents and, and get the origin and the backstory to that. But uh, she tweeted out that she's 110% committed to, to Big Blue Nation. So, yeah, the treasure yeah. hunt and the smokes at the same time. <laughs> and Coach Mitchell's team, this this could be the team. Uh, again, they've got to be tough in the ultra-competitive SEC women's basketball area. But uh, – I, I think that, that Mitchell's had the opportunity. He, he turned it around. You know, they went through the dip, and there was a, a little mini crisis. But uh, as you said, with Epps and with Morris, they were able to kind of right the ship a little bit. And 
and now it's pointing in the, the, the right direction. I mean, it's a, a top 15 program. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's, it's wide open. You know, it's been a few years since UConn has won, so women's basketball, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that, but uh, the Kentucky will have some opportunities to to, to make history, get to that first uh, women's Final Four. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's going to happen at some point. And what about Coach Mitchell making the big donation, a million-dollar donation to the park there in Lexington? I mean, that's – Maybe Cal has done some charitable stuff like that as well, but um, Coach Mitchell's paid well. He's not Cal paid, but to see him drop a million dollars is was very noteworthy. Yeah, you know, uh, it just shows his commitment to the university. You know, uh, Mitchell, he's been here a while, uh, and, and uh, I, I think him and his family, especially with this kind of upswing in the in the program getting it back to where it was when they had I think it was three straight elite eight finishes uh this can be the place where he can be you know this is becoming a a destination job so uh for him to do that show really shows investment in the community and that's that's awesome yeah to town branch park uh is what they donated to this was last week uh, Jenna and I are extremely blessed to call Lexington home because, I mean, like they, you know, he came from Tennessee. He was an assistant down there, and there was whispers and worries, you know, when Tennessee finally moved on from Holly Warlick. You know, maybe Coach Mitchell might go back down there. But uh, it's a park in Lexington that helps community town branch park place for people of all ages and backgrounds and experiences to gather and interact in a beautiful, dynamic space. Um, So a park, he makes his relation to a park in Lexington. So you you hit the nail on the head with with commitment to Lexington, um, to the area. It's hard to see most people donate the million dollars to a park in an area that they don't plan on being at <laughs> for a good little bit. Uh, or, you know, all things going as you hope. You know, he's probably thinking that he's planning on being here for a while, already been here for a while, but plan to continue to be here for a while. Um, you wouldn't think you'd make that kind of a donation and do that kind of a deed and then uh, up and just, well, I'll see y'all later. I'm, I'm on to Baylor or when Mulkey retires or whatever, you know. But, yeah, that's, that's a lot of commitment. And, you know, he's got kids there, got roots there, raising the family here and, and been here for a while and got things rolling again. So you see him kind of wanting to, to stick around and, and becoming literally a part of the community. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I said. The commitment to the community, to the university, uh, it's a it's a big step. And and we you know Cal, we talk about Cal, we talk about Stoops, but really the the roster of coaches uh, that Mitch Barnhart has are all pretty good. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I say that they're. Uh, 
they're they're good at their job and they're 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 good people for the community you, you look at what you know uh, a, co- a court uh, uh, if i can get it out coach mitchell has done if you look at coach skinner with volleyball and you, you look at coach lawson with softball i mean that's a uh, you know, and it shows it in the Director's Cup rankings for on-the-field performance, but I would put that roster of coaches up against most uh, any other school, including here at, at UofL. I think we've got some really good coaches, Coach Nick for baseball. So we're blessed to be uh, to be Kentucky fans and have these coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. We broke through the first hour already. Still got tons to talk about the rest of the way. Well, let's just take us a quick little break to catch our breath. Appreciate y'all hopping on and listening to Facebook Live or tablets or however you want to do it. Um, but we will be right back after just a quick little break. Catch up with Dave, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brad and Hardy Radio Network, blogtopradio.com. Stay right with us, y'all.
are back. Catch Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Bradley Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com, presented by Smoky Mountain Trader. And the fun first hour of the show. And we talked about it last week, and we'll, I'm just going to veer off real quick. You and I are huge music fans. We talked about the top 100 artists list last week. Um, you know, you, I saw you tweeting out the fact that as teenagers you had the uh, the boombox CD player. You were guilty as charged. You had it in your room. You had it set up. You had all your music the way you wanted. Everybody did that. You and I did that. We we're that age group that did that. This song that just played was by a guitarist from London named Ronnie Jordan. That was him on the bass guitar. The singer was Faye Simpson. She's from London as well. And I had never heard of either one of them. It was just, you know, listening to Spotify or iHeart, and it just you know, throws you something that it'll think you will like. Um, and Ronnie Jordan, unfortunately, so once I heard the song, I started Googling who they were. Ronnie passed away like five years ago, worked with everybody, did all kinds of great things in music. Faye still sings. I never heard this song. And I oftentimes thought, you know, throughout the years, even as a teenager, you know, listening to the music that you like, because you have your favorite music, you have your favorite songs. You can throw a different artist at you, and you can name songs you like by that person. You can name them, boom, 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 name them off. But there are songs out there that you've never heard and would absolutely love if you've heard. There's songs out there that we would love and we don't even know. Like this song, for example. I heard it, and I was like, wow, who is this? What is this? i got to find out who this is. And then go down and start finding more music by them. How just And the, nobody knows the answer, but how many songs are out there that you, Terry Brown, they'll be they'd be right in your wheelhouse. You would absolutely love them. They'd be your jam. And you just never heard stuff from the seventies that your parents had, stuff from the nineties that we just missed. Stuff out today. I mean, it's just too much to keep up with, but it's it's just out there. We just never heard it before. Yeah, you know that's the the funny thing is I will, uh, you know, iTunes used to have this. The search function, I haven't been on there in a while, but where you could look up by, uh, you could search by year, you could search by genre, you could find different uh, players. Like I found a whole bunch of songs that way. I, You know, I know there's Spotify and there's Amazon Music, there's all these services, but I just, I don't know if, if there's a way just to, just to do that. It's not like, you know, and I'm dating myself where, you know, someone had a cassette tape of a, of a group that you need to listen to or something like that. That's how I discovered a lot of things back in the day. Or you'd watch the box, you'd watch, uh, yeah. was it, no, it, was it, it wasn't 106 in Park then. It was, it was Rap City and, and you know, TV raps. There were some things that kind of yeah. flew under the radar that, that I like, you know, that's the one thing, you know, there's, there's songs on my playlist, uh, now that I have that aren't top 10 songs, but i I really, really like songs that flew under the radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a song uh, 
it's not safe for work, but it's <laughs> it's by a, a guy called Lloyd, Dedication to My Ex. And it's got uh, uh, Andre 3000 on it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good song, yeah. but it's it flown onto the radar. And I, uh, you know, for me, a lot of times it's, it's movie soundtracks. You know, I'll be sitting there watching a movie, and I'll say, man, that, that song really, really works. And I've discovered a lot of folks that way. Uh, one thing that I used to do for different uh, genres of music is, uh, I think it's CBS Saturday, Saturday morning. used to watch this with the X all the time. But uh, the second or third hour of that show they bring on like these unknown artists, like these unsigned kind of artists, and uh, discovered some mm-hmm. folks that way. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, I try not to be too mainstream. And again, I love pop music. Uh, you know, what's on the radio, that kind of thing. But I think as I get older, I don't, I don't like all the stuff on the radio. Like you know, I, I will listen to Old Town Road, but if you have children, <laughs> you know, teen and younger, you have heard Old Town Road enough. And uh, <laughs> and and now we're now we're on Lizzo edited version edited version. Let me be clear. Uh, yeah. uh, so you know you, the popular stuff. I get that enough now from the girls. Like the, you know my girls are uh, their music like me. Big Big Miss. Almost every song that comes on the radio, she knows the words to. But yeah. uh, since we are talking about music, she surprised me. She said, "I've got this old song you need to listen to." I said, "Okay." And it's uh, in vogue. Don't let go. You know. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that that jam from from set it off uh, and everything. And I'm like, uh-huh. whoa, in vogue. I was like, them them girls could sing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> and so I turned them on to like, let's go to I think it was Spotify. Listen to all these in vogue songs. And the girls were like, well, these girls could they they could really sing. I said, yeah, yeah, they could sing, yeah. So I kind of turned them on to that, uh, you know, just happenstance. And I don't even know how she came across the Invoke song in the first place. But uh, man, we talked about music a lot. But it's just one of those things. If they're gonna make me listen to some pop music, I'm gonna make them listen to some of my stuff. Uh, no. Uh, make them listen to, to yeah. New Edition. Yeah. They love uh, Candy Good Girl man. and Telephone Man. And they were bummed when I told them. I was like, all these guys are older than me. Like, what you're listening to, <laughs> all, all these guys are, are, are older than I am now. So uh, they were a little bummed about that. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I absolutely love music. Yeah, and, it, it's, you know, that just hit me. And that's why I put this song on the list of stuff we play when we take a break or something like that. Cause, you know, I never would have heard it. If it hadn't just been recommended, I think I was on Spotify. Um, and it's just you can't. There's no way to keep up with everything. You know, there's, there's stuff that my parents used to play, and you know, I used to go through their vinyls and, and put them on the record player that they had in the living room. And, you know, it just there's just songs out there that you would love that you never heard, and it's just it's one of the things that I wondered about. And I wasn't like trippy, like, dude, how many songs are there that we never heard? I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to be that way. I was just, you know, you think about that from time to time, and you obviously have, and, and so that's why we had to speak on it real quick. Another uh, little bit of music, but as y'all listen, y'all know we'll talk about music, we'll talk about food. 
We're talking about comedy. Talking about John Witherspoon last week and how you got to actually see him and, uh, in person when he came to Louisville. Uh, so we we talk about some random stuff as well in addition to the UK sports and the NBA and and various other topics. Um, we got Lynn Bowden still at quarterback. We got Tennessee coming to town. I'll be covering it this Saturday at Kroger Field. Not supposed to rain other than that, but it's supposed to be really cold, uh, which it is November, and that's that's what happens this time of year. And taking Tennessee games usually always really cold. Uh, Mark Stoops Monday in his press conference was asked about Thayer Smith, and he just kind of said we'll have to see how the week of preparation goes as to whether he'll get more playing time or not. I just kind of thought they would work in both once he got healthy, but they're still riding Lynn, uh, who has been very well in the rain. It almost makes you want to, you know, wonder should we, should we pray for rain on Friday night and Saturday You're going into the Tennessee game, as good as Kentucky's play, uh, especially uh, against Missouri the other day. Tennessee, you know, I, I wish we could have played them back in September when they were really struggling against, you know, the Georgia States and, and the BYUs. Uh, they, they're they getting better. Uh, beat South Carolina really bad a couple weeks ago. Uh, took care of UAB last week. Uh, they've had quarterback issues and injuries and quarterback benchings and put them back in and then you bench them and then the guy you bench them for gets concussions and so they've had a lot of that going on, but they're better than they were to start the year. Uh, it's going to be a close, hard-fought game, uh, and <laughs> we all know our history hasn't been that great against Tennessee, but hopefully they can can get them this time. You know, Kentucky's momentum will be better than the momentum Tennessee's coming in with. Kentucky's defense is playing really well. Um, I don't know if Cash Daniels will be back, but you know he's chomping at the bit, especially being from Eastern Kentucky to play against the Vols. But, yeah, you hope it will be the third win for Kentucky against Tennessee since 2011. 2011, 2017, and hopefully add another one to the list this coming Saturday night. Yeah, you know, as as far as you, you don't you want to go with the hot hand, and we we see this a lot in, in Sawyer uh, Smith. Uh, number one, I hope he's healthy. Uh, but if you've got something that's working, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to change gears if it is working. Uh, you know, it's great if you can if you can bring in Sawyer Smith to to do first half against Florida. Okay, yeah, you do that. But if he's not if he's not there. Then you know maybe maybe you know you, you ride that hot hand uh, because the guys they've got confidence in them they've got confidence in Bowden and, and and you and I know folks that have competed athletically understand that belief goes a long way if you believe in the quarterback you know and, and not only that uh, but what we've seen is he's taking shots down the field it's not just the the old wing tee you know he's he's throwing. You know, my concern would be, is Ahmed Wagner, is he back? Because he's been a, a huge weapon. 
if nothing else, than to draw an absurd amount of penalties, which is just that mm-hmm. just that whole setup is just strange. That he either catches it or it's a penalty. You know, that's those <laughs> are your two options. But uh, I think they can. Uh, the, the defense has been stout. Let's just say the defense has been stout all year. And if the offense is able to get anything going uh, against Tennessee, and, and yeah, you know, it would be nice to play Tennessee earlier in the year when they were a very poor football team. But if we're going to be the Kentucky of now and tomorrow and not the Kentucky of yesteryear, we this is a game, and I, and I hate to do this, because, you know, I talk about this all the time, that it seems like every game Mark Stoops has ever coached at Kentucky has been a referendum on whether or not he's a good coach or he's the right man for the job, right? That's, you know, every game is is that referendum. But this is a game we've got to win. You know, Tennessee is not very good. This is a game at home. you you got to have this one, right? Uh, you, you get this game, we've got – that directional school, and I can't think of who we play. Oh, I need to look uh, up the uh, UT Martin. UT Martin, not a directional school. Yeah, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, UT Martin, and Louisville. You know, those are four winnable games. If you get, if you finish three and one over this next stretch, man, that's a that's a that's a, a rescue of a season. I'm not going to say they're going to go four and zero, oh, but I'm thinking three and one. You know, I think is is, is very doable and, and really keeps the momentum going from what we've seen. So, uh, you know, I have the, I watch a little bit of the Tennessee Alabama game. I haven't seen Tennessee since, so I don't I don't want to go down the line and start picking and choosing. <laughs> you know, uh, but I think I think the Cats win. I think it's a touchdown game, uh, and, and we keep that momentum going. That's my that's my two cents. That's my analysis right there. And everybody in the state always wants to win the Louisville game. Even me in Eastern Kentucky, Louisville is the rival. You know, got family in Louisville. You met some of my Louisville Cardinal family. Uh, but you being in Louisville, there's, look, we can hate Louisville as much as we want. And that's, that's a sports hate. That's not literal hate. You, we, we know what I'm talking about. We can hate Louisville, rivalry with Louisville, but it's still just going to mean a tick more to you because you're in Louisville. You're from Louisville. UK fan in Louisville. The same thing I would argue with the, the Tennessee game for myself growing up on the border of Tennessee and, and in Eastern Kentucky, and then you got South Central Kentucky, all the whole southern bottom of Kentucky that borders Tennessee, you know, Franklin and McCreary County and all that. It's probably going to mean more to us because we're crossing the state line in Tennessee or close to Tennessee. You go to Middlesboro, and the goodies in Middlesboro, Kentucky, has Kentucky and Tennessee stuff displayed when you walk into the store. Uh, you grew up going to school with some kids you went to school with a Tennessee fan. If you go to Kingsport or Johnson City wearing UK stuff, and you get the, oh, what are you doing with that blue, man? And you can honestly say, well, there's some of that ugly orange back home because there were some Tennessee fans in Kentucky. 
I grew up the same distance from Lexington, three hours, and it was to Knoxville, three hours. I can be the same for both places in the same amount of time. We would get WKYT news out of Lexington. We get WBIR news out of Lexington. I mean, out of Knoxville. That's just the way it works when you're right there on the border. So there's a tick more of wanting to beat Tennessee for us than it is maybe for everybody in northern Kentucky uh, or up in Owensboro. They all hate Tennessee, but maybe we do just a little bit more, just like you you all want that Louisville a little bit more than the rest of us, even though we all want it. So just the, the gut punches and the history. You, you, you. <laughs> Since 1984, I've only seen two wins. <laughs> so when you have a good team, you, you definitely want to see Kentucky capitalize and take advantage. There's been so many years where Kentucky was outmatched and didn't have a chance. And there were times where they were – playing over their heads and should have come away with some wins and weren't able to do so. So you, as many injuries as they had this year with the quarterback situation, like you said, if they go 3-1 or, you know, heck, if they were to go 4-0, and but at least 3-1 and to finish 7-5, and that to me is just as impressive as a coaching job as going 9-3 and and winning the bowl game last year. I would argue they were both right there together. And I, I put that in my article on, on Saturday tailgate about Coach Stoops and the Florida State stuff. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it is in Kroger Field and, and Kentucky does have momentum now that that uh, the defense is playing, is, is really playing good. And, and look, Lynn has, like you said, it's, you ride the hot hand, teams know what's coming and haven't been able to stop it. In the event that Tennessee does shut it down, I just hope the coaches are flexible. And maybe if if, if it is ten nothing, if it's thirteen nothing, if it's not working, then you know maybe don't be afraid to go to Saudi if you need to, or go back to Lynn or mix it up. Um, you know they've been planning on getting him in a couple of these games that haven't worked out because Lynn is doing so well. If it's not doing so well, maybe don't don't catch yourself being so stubborn that oh man, maybe we should have went to Sawyer time or two just to mix it up and, and then you don't. That's all I'm saying. But I'm, you know, I'm just hopeful that the Cats get a W uh, as you are. And it will be a close hard-fought game for sure. So capitalize, minimizing your mistakes, um, no false starts and holes and, you know, silly pre-snap stuff that will kill a drive or have Lynn in a second and 15 or a third and 12 when he had a third and seven or stuff like that. You know, all that little fundamental stuff that, that can flip a game one way or the other. I hope Kentucky is, is able to be sharp. Coming off a bye again. Yeah, and, and I think having that bye to, to regroup, I think, is, is fantastic. You know, we talked about this. Uh, you know, a year ago, this was a bad week. It was the blowout loss to Duke. It was losing to Georgia and then losing to Tennessee in football. And it was a bad week. And I think even volleyball had lost you know, at the end of the streak. It was a bad, it was a bad, bad week. Conversely, this has a pretty a chance to be a good week. You you, you load up with, uh, uh, you, you start with the, the Michigan State win, uh, you get that Tennessee win. That's a pretty. That's a pretty darn good week. So 
definitely, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited. Uh, for sure, for sure. And I saw uh, saw you tweeting out that very same thing to our wonderful friend Tina Cox. Uh, you were talking about how hopefully her time in New York was a lot better for the Champions Classic experience than what you guys endured last year. Um, I think you all were in Atlanta and meeting Sister Jean a couple years ago. How about her getting a picture with the Admiral? Uh, we shouldn't be surprised. We're talking about Tina Cox. But getting a picture with the Admiral, uh, in addition to all the other fun stuff she got to do in New York over these past couple of days. There she is with that, You know, that's just Tina. You know, I showed the picture to Mama <laughs> B, and I said, look. I mean, that's just Tina. You know, uh, from miss, meeting Sister Jean, you know, we were uh, there in Atlanta uh, in the NCAA tournament, and I literally just said, hey, there's Sister Jean turned my head for one second, and then I looked over, and and uh, Tina's got her in a big old hug and and, and getting her picture taken, <laughs> Sister Jean. That that's that's just that's just Tina. Uh, so yeah, I, I hope that this this year's Champions Classic was a little bit better than last year's. Even though we had great seats, you know, getting heckled by the Duke Blue Devil was not fun. So, uh, and and you know, and that and that's the thing too is with these Champions Classics. Kentucky's fared pretty well. I think we're, you know, I don't think we've lost to Duke in the Champions Classic. I'd have to look that up again. But uh, I, I think it's a good kickoff. It needs to be like it was where I think all the teams need to play a couple of real games before the event. Like, I, I do like it being near the beginning of the season, but what we got last night in both games I, I don't think the games the, were as high quality as it was a couple of years ago when, you know, Kentucky got a game or two before the Champions Classic. I, and I think Cal touched on that post-game, and I'd definitely like to see that moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, because you can only practice so much. You can only try to be so good, and it, it just can't help but be a little ragged. Uh, playing this early in the year, a, a great team, a, a great setup. You know, top four teams in the Garden, but it, it, you were not going to have midseason four, no matter how much they try. And how about look, Kansas with twenty-eight turnovers, I think total seventeen in the first half, and they lose by two. So is that is that a testament to Kansas? toughness and sticking with it, or is that, you know, Duke only wins by two when they force almost 30 turnovers? How, you know, it's a PTI topic. You know, did, you know did, did Duke almost choke, or is Kansas tougher than we think? Is Duke, you know, what do we make of that? Because, you know, they had, to, they had to do some research to even pull up the last time the team had that many turnovers in the first half, but yet there Kansas is in the game, went on a big flurry in the second half and had Duke on their heels, but weren't able to finish. Yeah, and, and again, it's one of those things you can't read into these things a little, little. you can't read into these things too, too much. Uh, like I said, there was a lot of good things last night uh, for Kentucky, a lot, of, a lot of bad things. If you're, if you're Bill Self in Kansas, you simply said, look, we had 30 turnovers. I mean, it, 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 
30 turnovers. That that's and and they were uh a lot of them were of the live ball variety kind. I mean just given just you know steals where Duke just came down and and boom boom or you know you 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 know you turn you you miss a shot, get a turnover, Duke comes down and hits a three. And and I don't have any data to back this up. But it did all the Duke games I watch, and I watch a lot because I'm a glutton for punishment, but when the opposing team has a miscue, a fumbled a bad shot, or, or something weird happens, and there's a scrum, and there's a loose ball, and Duke gets it, they hit 90% of those three-pointers off that scenario. Uh, like if there's just a wild scrum, Duke ends up with it, and, and, and some random Duke uh, person hits a three. Uh, if you're Coach K... You say, yeah, I know we won, and that's great. But they, but Kansas gave us that game. A, a lot of it was not defensive pressure. It was it was it was defensive pressure to the point of, I think Kansas started playing faster than they wanted to, and and uh, had their big guys handling the ball when they probably shouldn't have been. Um, but I would say of the teams there, you've got to feel good if you're Kentucky. Uh, just with who you were playing uh, against Cassius Winston. You know, I talked about this on the post game. If you're Kentucky, Ashton Hagens on the defensive end is, is a game changer. And, and what I mean by that is typically in most of your, your offensive sets, you want to get your point guard, you want to initiate that offense right around the top of the key. Right around that top part of the of the three point line, and and you know extended. That's kind of where things start initiating. If you look at teams running their sets, what Ashton Hagens makes you do with his on the ball defense and his length and quickness, your point guard has to back up, and now you're starting you're starting your offense closer to the half court line. Well, what does that mean? Your wings have to come out a little bit. Your bigs have to come up off the post a little bit uh, to create passing lanes. So defensively, and, and this is when Hagens was really, really good last year, and that's a good sign for Kentucky, is that defensive on-the-ball pressure was there. And Cassius Winston got to his spots, but it took him an extra move to get there, if that makes sense. Like, he got where he wanted to, but he had to work really hard to get there. And that's great for the second half because your legs go on your jump shot. So, and we saw that a lot. So, defensively, they played phenomenally well. Uh, I really like Nick Richards, who wasn't going to play last I saw you know, yesterday morning, uh, showing in, in him and Sestina, and even E.J. Montgomery, showing uh, – that pick and roll, when you've got the big man hanging around, Winston or whoever was initiating for uh, Michigan State, to really take the ball out of their hands. You've got to, and, and that means that the on-the-ball defender, usually Hagens, the big man, usually Nick Richards, they've got to be sound in, on that trapping action, right? But also on the back end, you've got to be able to play those passing lanes so you don't end up, uh, with a pass over the top where you've got now you've got a two-on-one, you know, in the paint. 
So the Cats defensively, that's where I was encouraged the most because that's not what you see in November is is that complex of a defensive scheme executed to that level. And that's why it's good to have sophomore uh, Ashton Hagens, junior Nick Richards, and grad transfer Nate Sestina on that, on that main action. That really helps. And even having EJ in there. Uh, and he showed flashes. He showed flashes last night. You know, folks are going to be hard on, on, on Nick and EJ. But the big question going into the game last night was Michigan State is going to be physical. Since Tom Izzo has been there, and even before with Judd Heathcote, Michigan State's physical because that's the Big Ten basketball. That's how they do things. And those games where we have played Michigan State, they've been physical games, the Julius Randle game, you know, going back some years. Uh, I thought the Bigs played well. I, I, don't, I didn't see the final stats, but I know at one point we were pretty even with rebounds. And that's good, <laughs> you know, for, for, uh, for a Kentucky team that a lot of people like to question how tough these kids are. They played well. Uh, EJ was getting bumped and bruised and battered, but he kept playing, and that's what you want. You know, if you're Coach Cal, you can say, look, you know, we, we, we battled Michigan State on the boards to a pretty much a standstill. You know, they fought back and we answered the bell. There's a lot of things you can point to. Uh, a couple of issues. There were a couple of empty possessions uh, on the offensive end. Uh, Keon Brooks was that with that that three that's, oh, <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about, where he <laughs> shot it and it hit, I think, the opposite side of the backboard or something, or maybe that was the air ball yeah. and, and, and quickly, I think, hit a shot off the backboard. You can't have that, right? Uh, as soon as Brooks took that shot, I had that clip of John Thompson uh, in my head. You know, he's coaching Georgetown now saying, is that your shot? Do you practice that shot? <laughs> you know, that was not the shot oh, we yeah. needed in a, in a one-possession, two-possession game against the number one team in the country. That's not, that's not that. You know, Maxie's shot from Tayshawn Prince range, okay. But, but Keon Brooks, that, that's not who you are right now. Um, but, yeah, a lot of positive stuff, and, and I think that's why the coaches uh, enjoy it. Uh, because, it honestly, it, these, these losses in these things, they don't come back to bite you. As bad as Kentucky's game against Duke was last year, they both got to the same spot, and you can say, you know, same point of the tournament, and, and you can say that, that Kentucky was probably the better team at the end of the year. So, that's uh, another thing I like about the uh, the Champions Classic is you get these matchups at the beginning of the year and they don't kill you. I mean, you never see this in college football. You know, you need, <laughs> so uh, enjoy this wholly unique uh, college basketball experience. Yeah, that's for sure. And well, you know, and the playoff real quick because that was the first time it came out. Clemson is just sitting there getting leapfrog, but they're going to be right back in there in a couple of weeks, assuming they handle their conference games because Alabama and LSU play and Ohio State and Penn State play. So two teams are about to take L's, and Clemson is not in the top four right now, but they will be just, you know, give it a week or two. Yeah, you know, uh, the college football rankings, the, my takeaways are this. 
the the college football rankings have become as arbitrary as the NCAA tournament seeding, where you think you have the criteria figured out. Is it strength of schedule they look at? Is it do they do do conference champions get an extra nudge? But you don't know. And you know the 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 director or the chairman comes on uh, and, and gives a whole bunch of information, but you're like that every year that the play, the playoffs have come out, it, there's been just a different focus. You know, um, like uh, in 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 March with the tournament seating, you know, the chairman comes out and they have questions for him, and there's this things that you can't justify. You know, going back to 2016. Uh, Texas A&M being a three seed, Kentucky being a four, you know, tying regular season SEC, Kentucky winning the SEC tournament. How do you how do you get there? And he gave some ridiculous answer, and that's what we're left with. <laughs> you know, uh, my question for the ter- for the committee is why is Florida in the top ten? What has Florida done? But they're always in the top ten. They finished like number nine or something last year. Like how how does that happen? <laughs> Florida hasn't looked like Florida for for five or six years, but every time you look up the rankings, they're a top ten team. You're like, how is this even possible? And I look, I know can Florida beat Kentucky this year? I get that, but this, this ain't Urban Meyer, Florida. You know, this ain't uh, Steve Spurrier, Florida, and at times this ain't even Ron Zook, Florida. But Florida seems to get a pass <laughs> to the top ten, and I don't I don't understand it. So lost two games already. Yeah, and what hap- what 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 I think happens is from you look at that scenario and you know and I don't want to put nefarious thoughts on on folks, but it's like they think about the result they want and they set it up to get that result. As you point out, putting Clemson at 5 with with the teams ahead of them going to meet you, Clemson's going to get if they if Clemson handles business, they're in, right? Yep. You know, and I, and I think that that's that's part of of them saying, okay, yeah, Clemson, you know, had a rough start this season, didn't look great against North Carolina, but you know, this is kind of their in, and and that's what happens. And it's it's I'm not a fan, but it just feels like that's how they're doing it. They're setting it up to to work backwards. And real quick, before we hit this NFL, I think I was, I was listening to a friend of the show, Memphis Spence, uh, a few days ago, and he he breaks it all down and goes into detail, and he'll he'll do a whole show on this topic alone. But he was looking at the top 25, the rankings that come out for the college football playoff, and his issue was the fact that that Minnesota, who's 8-0, was way down the line. Now they can they can kind of control their own destiny, quote unquote, because they play Penn State this weekend. Uh, but you know, you look at the teams that were ahead of them, and he's like, look, nobody wants to have Minnesota in the playoffs and be watching Minnesota and Baylor. They'd rather have storylines. <laughs> They'd rather have one loss Oklahoma against Alabama, or you know, stuff like that. And he's like, look, Baylor has some hideous stuff go on, but they're undefeated as well. But they're, in his opinion, they're still kind of paying for 
the ugly eyesores and sins that they committed and it's been taken out on them because they're still way down the line in the rankings, which, you know, you can kind of see maybe some truth to that because there there ain't no as well. I mean, the Big 12 is the SEC, but they beat everybody that's in front of them, and yet they're, they're not up there with a legit look at the playoff as of now. Yeah, and, and and that's what happens. And you know, from 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 my money, and again, the NCAA tournament basketball committee does this all the time. They they claim, you know, when they see the tournament, it's just they try to make it competitive and blah blah blah. And I I think it's fairly obvious they go out of their way to create matchups. You know, like U of L mm-hmm. last year playing uh, <laughs> Rick Pitino's son in the first round. Come on, yeah. Come on, uh-huh. like you, you couldn't you couldn't shut them. Come on, you know uh, Kentucky playing, uh, you know getting paired up with IU uh, pretty pretty soon after the UK IU series had ended. Come on, come on. You know there, there's <laughs> uh, you, you look at uh, even 2014 putting Kentucky. The team everybody was talking about going 40-0, 40 and 0 uh, in Wichita State's bracket. The team that was, you know, was at that time 35, 36 and 0. Come on, mm-hmm. you know. And and my for for my money, you don't have to do that. The the NCAA tournament, the very nature of it, creates storylines. You don't have to force storylines. You know. Uh, you, you you remember back in the the 2002 season, uh, the it was the 10 year anniversary of the uh, Leitner shot, and Duke was a one seed, <laughs> uh, and Kentucky was a two seed, and where was the regional final that year? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we lost to Michigan, not Michigan State. I'm sorry, USC. Uh, with the with the with the white mamba there, and, and that Sam Clancy and that group, uh, but we end up losing. But but come on, mm-hmm. like, like you're sitting in a room, you're a bunch of smart guys. Hey, this is the 10 year anniversary of that game, because you knew that would be a storyline in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. How many eyeballs would have been on that? So the NCA and then college football. Look, we we, we understand you want to make it competitive. But at the end of the day, it's a television product. You want to do things that that get get eyeballs there, and and Minnesota, eight and zero, nine and zero, they're not going to bring as many eyeballs as an eight and one Oklahoma team, or right. Ohio State fumbles, yeah. you know, at some point. So I, you, you get that, and you you would hope that that kind of stuff wouldn't play into it, but it absolutely does. Yeah, absolutely. NFL, man, and we, we talked a little bit about the Browns, but it's, once again, it's another week of, you know, TV NFL. So your boy's still undefeated, only team left. So we, we got to just get your thoughts again and on Niners and wherever else you want to take it. Well, you know, I'm I'm excited. Obviously, you know, getting to eight and zero—that's most of the season, half the season out of the way. 
and uh, so I feel good about that. Our first real, I would say the first real test will be Monday night against Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson is playing at a ridiculously high level right now. Uh, so it's going to be a tough game. You know, Monday nights have been kind of dreg games the last few. Uh, but I, I honestly feel, uh, you know, I like I like the I like our chances. The the defense is is playing unreal. Bosa has been fantastic, and and from from the defensive line to the to the backfield with Richard Sherman, not as explosive as he used to be, but still a, a pretty nice uh, cover guy. Um, so yeah, so eight eight no, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. And this will be at Seattle, right? Monday night. Yes, I believe it's going to be at Seattle. So this, well, let's see. This is Sherman's second year. But was he hurt last year? Would this be his first time going back and playing? Yeah, yeah he, he was he was hurt for the bulk of last season fairly early on, so this will be his first time going back. Okay, and now look, I mean, well, uh, Earl Earl Thomas is with Baltimore, and he had his homecoming a few weeks ago, and the Ravens went in there and and left with a win. So I, I know you're hoping for the same thing, and and your Forty ers are good enough to go in there and do it. I mean, it's hard to go in there and win. Not many teams do it, but, you know, the, the Niners have just as good a chance, maybe maybe better than the Ravens. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I, I feel good. Uh, you know, Jimmy G has made some throws. You know, I, I think I said early on they were 2-0, and 3-0. Uh, he had to, he's got to, he had to show me that he was worth that money, that he could do some things down the field. Uh, the defense uh, against Arizona kind of kind of showed uh, its age, not its age, but uh, Arizona was able to do some things uh, on Thursday night, and the offense had to absolutely step up, and they did that. So uh, there's a nice synergy between the the offense and defense here. So I feel really really good about that. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you do your Monday night when it, when it's your team playing like last? This past Monday, the Cowboys coming up a bye, played the Giants, and went on the road and got a win. Didn't play that well, but they were able to kind of do what they had to do to to win the game. Um, are you, when you get home and, and free, are you flipping on NFL Countdown and all the, the shows leading up to it? Are you uh, pulling up San Francisco? 49ers radio on iHeart and seeing what they're saying. How does TV do a Monday night, a big Monday night game? It's a regular season game, but it's a, a big Monday night game when your team is doing well, playing against probably their biggest rival in the division right now, the team that's been the most successful in that division in between either them and the Rams, but how is TV going to do it? Oh, I, you know, it, it's it, it's different. Like you said, when it's your team playing, it's a whole lot of different. It's a different mindset. And you know, I'm not trying to rub salt in the wounds here, but uh, you know, the 49ers Super Bowl a few years back was was different. And when it's your team in the Super Bowl or in a big game, everybody else has their routine. But for me, it was a game. Uh, you know, uh, when the when the Niners 
took on uh, uh, the Ravens, I was I, I don't remember the commercials. I mean, I remember Beyonce, the halftime show, the power outage, but I was locked into the actual game itself, not all the hoopla. I was like, let's just get to the game because I want to watch the game. And that's pretty much what I'll be – that's what I did on Thursday. That's what I'll do on, on, on Monday is I don't do a lot of the pregame, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I get in Snyder's Twitter, and I'm looking at different things like that, uh, who's playing, who's not playing. Uh, yeah. That's that's how I slide into it on on a Monday night football. Hopefully, I'll have a, another yeah. opportunity to to do the Super Bowl thing again. Because Jerry Rice was on Get Up on ESPN this week with Stephen A. Smith and said the Niners are going to the Super Bowl. So you know I'm not going to argue with Jerry Rice about it. Uh, so if he if the goat says it, I'm gonna believe it. No, and I mean. They gotta gotta like their chances right now. Gotta be excited. Lots to be excited about. So yeah, it's uh, um, you know, I'm I'm not a Niners fan, but I'm definitely gonna tune in because Sherman going back to Seattle, facing his old team, and uh, it's gonna be gonna be a fun one. So I'll be I'll be checking your squad out. Uh, and looking forward to talking about whatever happens next Wednesday. Friday, the Cats get back home to Rip Arena. Eastern Kentucky comes to town. Um, and when they played the exhibition game against Georgetown, I sent you the picture on Twitter because they had a kid that went to Seneca, you know, playing for, uh, for Georgetown College. And now with Eastern coming in Friday, Cameron Carmichael from Harlan County, We'll you know, been on the show a couple times. We'll be playing against the Cats and Ruff. So both of our high schools will be represented in Ruff Arena with the past couple of games that the Cats have played at home uh, against in-state schools. So that's, that's pretty neat, too. Oh, absolutely. And the K-State uh, kids, they had a, a great time Friday. The coach, Coach Jackson, basically said, hey, post-game, ask us some questions because uh, we don't know when yeah. we're going to uh, – uh, be here again, so it was a really, uh, uh, really a, a great, uh, a great atmosphere for them. I'm looking forward to to watching that game and 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 doing the post game. Yeah, yes, I will um, definitely tune in and, and listen. I might try to give you a call one of these games when y'all are on there. But congratulations again to that for sure. Uh, and everybody's excited to see you on ESPN 680. In studio the rest of the way. It's cool hearing you call in. Now you'll be in studio. Uh, That's going to be fun. Everybody's looking forward to that. Uh, Looking forward to going up to the game Saturday, Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, Hope the Cats pull that win out uh, as well. And let's let's flip it on back to you again and get your thoughts in on purple and gold. Your boy Dwight Howard is, is making his second time around with the Lakers. So far, so much better, I guess you'd say, right? Yeah. You know, the Lakers, uh, while Kentucky was doing their thing, they were down pretty big uh, in the fourth quarter last night uh, to the to the Bulls and, and flipped the switch and I think ended up outscoring the Bulls like 35 to 17 or something like that. And uh, as I've kind of talked to other folks about, this is why you get, uh, Anthony Davis, if you're the Lakers, right? 
you get I know they gave up some great guys and there was those the young guys especially Ingram is is flourishing in uh, New Orleans so I think this is a trade that works out for everybody but I think it's great when when Anthony Davis uh, can have a 40-20 game and it's oh by the way <laughs> LeBron had 23 points and then there's nights the AD struggled last night and LeBron reminds us that he's still a pretty good player and not to get into who's the greatest debate because I think people's minds are made up about that you know if you're a LeBron guy you're a LeBron if you're MJ MJ but what we need to really talk about with LeBron is his longevity and he's been so great for so long that's the thing you know that 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 is a really sets LeBron kind of in his own little era. I mean, this is year 17, and he just went, you know, three triple doubles in a row for, for a, a Lakers organization. Last person to do that, Magic Johnson. So, you know, we we talk, we have this debate about who's the best and, and this kind of stuff. And uh, outside of LeBron's injury last year, he's been healthy. He he plays, and he's been playing at a high level for a long time. So, the Lakers. Yeah, you know this could look, look. I, I'm I'm kind of being low key about this, right? This could end up being a pretty darn good year for me with my teams. You know, yeah. if 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 Kentucky gets number nine, if the Lakers get number seventeen, if the Niners get number uh, six, this, this, nothing will top this. Nothing will top this, and and, and for the first time. In a long time, I'm actually able to have these conversations in my head. <laughs> you know, I'm actually able to say, "Hey, you know, I can, I can." It's not out of the realm of possibility for these things to happen. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited when it comes to sports ball. And look, here we are about to run out of time. But <laughs> a week ago, after we ended, your Nationals went out and won the World Series. So, how did you react? It's not Montreal, but it used to be. So. I know you were kind of rooting for them, so when they closed it out in Houston, what were you thinking? Well, it was it was great. It was it was it was great uh, because it, every, look, I'm an exposed guy, right? That's I'm I'm not jumping ship or anything like that. But it, it the Nationals still do a pretty good job of paying homage to the Expos, not necessarily the Senators. You know that left to become the twins, so that that's still it's still considered the Expos franchise. So I was happy uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, Strasburg was phenomenal uh, in game in game seven. Uh, the Nationals absolutely uh, it was it was great. It was a, a seven game series where the home team never won. I mean that is just that's weird. Like you spent all the time getting. Uh, home field advantage and not capitalizing. I mean, that, that that was just such a bizarre series. And for as good as the Nationals looked in Houston, they looked equally as bad, <laughs> you know, in, in D.C. So it was just a weird kind of series. My only thing is baseball's got to fix the, the this, this gap of, uh, you know, guys, look, I, I don't have any problem with people flipping bats and, and – doing that kind of stuff. Baseball's got to fix a few things uh, moving forward. But it was I thought it was a great World Series. Uh, obviously, the ratings weren't where folks want them to be. But 
for an Expos fan, yes, I'm going to absolutely uh, bump my chest a little bit. Yeah, awesome. congratulations for sure, and uh, we'll see what they do with who's free agents and who's not. But Rendon is something else. Uh, old man Zimmerman was still good. A lot of older guys, Howie Kendrick, what he did, and the young fella Soto is is something else. Um, he's gonna be a problem if he keeps on doing what he's doing at barely 21 years old. So. Uh, Congratulations to the Nationals. Uh, me as a Braves fan, it's their one, you know, a big rival. You know, hate this, you know, you knock heads with them all year long, and, and, and there they are with the trophy. But, but they turned it around, and, you know, from June on, they were like the best team in baseball. They started off horrible, but, you know, credit to Davey Martinez and all of them for sticking it out and, Took down the Astros, the Dodgers. I mean, they they absolutely earned that title, and they deserve it. So hats off to them. Yes, sir. Well, man, looking forward to seeing you Friday. Congratulations again. Uh, ESPN 680 in studio with, with Round Daddy and Jason. So looking forward to that. Little big things on the post game. Had so much fun today. Uh, appreciate everything you bring to the table every Wednesday. So we have so much more to talk about now. Basketball season is here. All your teams are great. So, you know, yay for you. But we'll have fun talking about the Monday night game. <laughs> the Cats have a lot of good winnable games where guys can get better, like Whitney and Brooks and what they can do against the lesser teams. It was not what people want at Rupp, but they can get better and, and get used to the college game a little bit uh, before they play Louisville, Texas Tech, and Ohio State and all that. So a lot of fun to be had. Four wonderful football games left. Coach Mitchell's doing his thing as well. So I'll catch everything like you always say, and we look forward to talking about all this and more next week. So, man, have a good rest of the evening, TV, and we'll be here next week doing this very same thing. We'll catch all we say. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you, Vinny. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Y'all take care. We'll see you next week. Brown Hardy Real Network. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown. Catch up on Wednesday. Blogtalkradio.com. <laughs>